welcome to our America's Engineering Leadership Exchange podcast. I am your host, Mark Muffin. This podcast will continue our growth in technology innovation, selling innovation, and of course, leading innovation. As technology innovators, we are the tech evangelists. It's through us that our regions, operations, areas, and theater teams understand the market, Cisco's strategy, and where the team should be focused. When it comes to selling innovation, we are the technical business leaders who motivate and inspire our teams to create customer opportunity by mapping technology to mission outcomes. We lead innovation by setting direction based on customer needs, often before they even know they need anything. And then we recruit, develop, and retain the absolute best engineering teams in the industry to meet those needs. Following Stephen Covey's habit number seven, let's sharpen the saw. Thanks for joining. Welcome to episode number one of our America's Engineering Leadership Exchange podcast. I'm very excited to be here with you today. This is Mark Moffat. In today's episode, we're going to talk about DevOps for infrastructure. DevOps, NetDevOps, SecOps, Scrum, Agile, Product Owners, Jira, Terraform, Ansible, Jenkins. It's like I'm bombarded with all of these DevOps terms, uh, but fortunately, we have an extraordinary guest today, Mike Yonkers, who is our Senior Engineering Leader and Chief Technology Officer for our Public Sector Federal Team. Mike, welcome to the program. Uh, tell, the, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, and then we'll get into the episode. Thanks, Mark. I'm excited to be here, and I appreciate this opportunity. And I would, you said my role. I'm the Systems Engineering Leader and Chief Technology Officer for our Public Sector Federal Team. Beyond that, I would say I'm attempting to be a transformational agent and demystify a lot of those tools and terms that you opened the show with and how those things can apply and help us accelerate what we're trying to do in an infrastructure's code environment. Mike, that is really cool. So today, you know, we're kind of hitting that technology innovation pillar uh, of what SE leadership is is based on technology innovation, selling innovation and leading innovation. We're going to be really hitting on this technology innovation pillar today. And I love what you just said. So I'll add that to the mix. We're demystifiers. I, I like that. So look, DevOps is a, a really big topic today. And, you know, we heard it all over the Cisco Live sessions recently. Uh, I've had uh, people come recently and saying, look, this is getting real uh, in our business. Customers are actually coming and asking now, what do we do? Uh, and as it relates to traditional networking, you know, we talk about it a lot, uh, but it still seems often misunderstood. Among our leaders, there's definitely a lot of confusion on this one. I know everybody is really focused hard on running down this path. But I guess I would ask, are, are our customers really starting to move on this? Kind of net out where we are, and, and then we'll get into some really interesting topics later on in the conversation. I'd say two things to that, Mark. The first is let's understand what DevOps is, and it, and it is in the title. It is the combination of development, 
and operations. So in the old days, like when you and I started way back in the day, there was a development organization that would engineer and design stuff. And then they'd chuck it over to the wall to the operations organization and they had to run it. And when something broke and people got called in in the middle of the night to fix something, it was always the operations team. So one of the most powerful ideas or concepts underneath a DevOps is let's bring together those two disciplines and ensure that the teams that are designing and developing things are also responsible for their successful operation. That fundamentally to me is the high order bit and one of the most important things about this. Now, how do we extend that to the world that we live in? What's it mean for us at Cisco in the networking space for our customers? It means applying those concepts to network design, network rollout and network operation and maintenance. Taking the same thing, applying the development side and the operation side, putting them together and combining them such that everything that we do from a design point of view we think about how we make it less fragile, more secure, more more resilient. How do we roll it out qu more quickly? How do we test things in virtualized environments so we know what's going to happen when we roll it into production? These are all kind of symptoms of good DevOps operation, if you will. The other thing I'll tell you is our customers in a lot of ways are pretty far ahead of us in this regard because the idea of DevOps is not a new concept in the generalized IT world. Uh, certainly cloud operators and anyone who thinks about operating inside the cloud, cloud native type operations, or even these hybrid cloud kinds of environments have been working on a DevOps paradigm for a long time. DevOps has applied in the application development world for a very long time as well. It's when we start talking about applying those concepts to the infrastructure, where we're now starting to you know, butt up against some exciting opportunities and also maybe some areas where the customers that we generally work with on the network side of the house aren't quite as far along as some of their other peers in other parts of their IT teams. So Mike, you, you brought up something interesting with these cloud operators. And I guess, you know, go back to something Eric often says is, look, we're, you know, the cloud, the cloud's not happening. It did happen, right? And when you think about our, our strategy now to help, you know, our mission uh, is to really help our customers connect, secure, and automate uh, their digital agility in this quote unquote cloud smart or cloud first world. You just bring up an important topic is this helps us, I guess you're saying get ahead of, ahead of things and, and get in the pace that our customers are. So I know we're only scratching the surface in the few minutes we have, and there's a lot to discuss, but when you finally came to terms with this DevOps for infrastructure, what inspired you to, to take action? Well, it's like, it's almost like every story I, I tell these days. I was with a customer in the middle of a, a crisis. Uh, they, they had a major outage and we were trying to sort our way through this outage and we were stuck. The part of the team that I was on, we were stuck between corporate engineering and the customer and we were effectively playing translators, but we knew as much, if not more, about the customer environment than the customer did and about how the product should have been operating than corporate engineering did. And it kind of finally dawned on me and all the reading that I've done in books like The Phoenix Project and Lean Manufacturing and all these other things that the people that are closest to the customer have the ability to solve problems most quickly if they're empowered to do that. And what I realized is the opportunity to be there with that customer and understand their pain and locally solve their problem with support from somewhere else, it was an incredibly powerful thing and it was incredibly exciting. 
And I just didn't want to let that go. The opportunity to uh, be very close to the customer, the opportunity to not just solve problems, but bring new innovation very quickly, Mark. You mentioned the word agility, and I think that's incredibly um, awesome that we can do very agile things with our customers directly with them. So for me, it was seeing the opportunity to help a customer in a very quick way when they were in the middle of a crisis that really finally inspired me to dig way deeper into this stuff. That's really cool, Mike. So when you when you think about uh, what you just said, you know, we we brought up this whole thing in tent based networking several years ago, and and I think what you're saying starts to ring a bell, so to speak, where what you're saying is you can actually start to code business intent, I guess, if I were to be brave enough to say that. Um, so if we, if we think about the success we've had with DevNet certifications, I mean, we've, we've got last check, I think over 800 people, including a lot of our leaders here who've gotten that, but even with DevNet, it, it's still a little bit daunting, right? Python and all those type of things. I'm not a, I'm not a developer, a programmer by trade, uh, and I don't even pretend to be a very good one. And I don't think if a lot of us were honest with ourselves, we are either. So for all of us looking for guidance on how to get moving, how did you get up to speed? What, what are some of the suggestions you'd have for the rest of us? I think the first thing, Mark, is just accept the fact that our world has changed. This is the classic who moved my cheese problem for us. And, and network engineering, network operations, you know, kind of infrastructure, the world that we live in. So just accept it. The world has changed. It's changed in a very positive way and embrace that change and lean into it. That's, that's the highest order, you know, just understand and accept it and then lean into it. Um, DevNet certification is awesome. It's a wonderful foundation. And as college professors used to tell us, it's necessary but not sufficient because a DevNet certification does not get you moving forward with a DevOps mindset or understanding all of those tools and processes and procedures that you open the, the podcast with, Mark. So, um, you know, understanding Python is interesting, but nowhere near sufficient to what we're trying to get done. We are not going to make software developers out of our team. I mean, if someone has a software development background and that's what they really enjoy, there now is opportunity to apply those skills where there wasn't an opportunity in the past, but that's not really what this movement is about. This movement is about us understanding the processes and procedures, language, vocabulary, and tool sets that are available to be used in a DevOps environment, and then taking advantage of those to bring that capability to our customers. In some cases, back to the demystification, we do need to demystify for our traditional network customers what's really going on here. But in other cases, this is about us leaning in and meeting those cloud operators and or those developers, application developers who think that the infrastructure is just this infinite amount of resources underneath of them that they can have available to them at any moment in time, regardless of what they want to do. So again, we don't have to be developers to have this conversation, but we have to understand kind of what the developers are thinking so that we can meet them between the application and the infrastructure. And that is a space that is wide open to us. There are not a lot of people that understand this concept about what applications demand or want from an infrastructure and where we're moving as a company from Cisco with our observability and visibility and all these rich tools that we have available to us through App Dynamics and Thousand Eyes. Like we have a richness of tools that we can use to go and engage 
at the application level and then fill that gap between the application and infrastructure. And once again, Mark, this is our opportunity as a systems engineering team and a group of systems architects to truly be the trusted advisors for our customers. We throw that word around a lot and we that is the legacy of the Cisco systems engineering organization as I understand it and as I've been a part of it. And this is our moment to reinforce our position as trusted advisors and help lead the way through this gap that exists between applications and infrastructure, meet the developers where they are, help them understand that you know, infrastructure is not infinite right? and, and it is very complex, but we can simplify the complexity, meet them where they want to be met, which is at an API, if you will, you know, that kind of interface. And then underneath of that, you know, we can do the work that we always do, which is build out robust, res resilient infrastructures and expose them up through an API. Mike, I love that. I mean, you said something uh, that really, I think, turned the light on for me, so to speak, a few weeks back. And we were talking about, look, I got my CCIA back in 2002. And you said, Mark, did you ever have to learn C programming to use the CLI? And I was like, wow, Mike, what a great question. No, no, I did not. But just like, I guess at the time, CLI gave us, I would say, an, an easy interface into a box. Now what you're talking about is now we're taking an abstract step back, so to speak, and instead of dealing with boxes, we need to learn how to consume the infrastructure through a different type of interface. And that's this DevOps for infrastructure and being able to codify everything. Is that, does that make sense? It, it makes 100% sense. And I love the analogy. It's one I love to use all the time that when we fixate on learning Python, to me, it's the exact same thing if 20 years ago we had fixated on learning C, with which was the language that CLI was implemented in. Now, a lot of people would argue C is a programming language and Python's a scripting language, and I'm not here to argue religion about programming languages. Yeah. But what I will tell you is that um, once we used the CLI, we did some pretty heavy-duty scripting, even if it was line by line. And, and you know this, Mark, because you got your CCIA. There was incredibly complex things that we did through CLI. And a lot of people will say, that's just scripting. We scripted in CLI. I agree with that. We Modern day today, we can script in Python and exercise APIs. But if we extend that one more level, you mentioned Ansible, you mentioned Terraform. Um, when I look at some of the platforms that we have where we can do some interesting things like NSO, right? we can script through those tools and to the interfaces that we have exposed in all of our platforms now. And then we can bring the richness of Cisco infrastructure forward to our customers. So you and I have had other conversations about this, about how we sell or how we go to market. And when we try to differentiate on speeds and feeds or, you know, watts of power and a POE switch, like that, that's no longer of interest to our customers at the level that we're selling at. Because as, we, as they transition to these digital strategies and they do these enterprise-wide agreements and plays and things like that, Mark, it's a different conversation. So what they do care about is the um, stability and flexibility and agility of the infrastructure underneath of that. And it's still incumbent upon us to understand the complexity that lives inside of that infrastructure, but we simplify it through a set of tools and or a set of scripts that either we wrote or someone else wrote. You know, we have this great community inside of public sector that's extended beyond that through DevNet and other things where we have people that have the skills and can write these scripts. If you don't know how to write a Python script, that's okay. If you at least understand what it is 
and you're comfortable using it, that's the real power underneath of this. You didn't have to know necessarily how the C code came together to write CLI, but you had to get comfortable with using CLI. Now it's about get comfortable with using some of these scripts and some of these tools to exercise an API to then, to your point, Mark, abstract the complexity of that infrastructure underneath from our customers. That's awesome, man. So I'm going to change directions on you a little bit, Mike. So you're you're definitely helping us demystify this thing. I'm going to say that's your superpower, right? So we're going to at least say that for this podcast. Uh, now you started to put your strategy in motion. I'd love for you to share just uh, a couple of minutes here what what you did to actually start to implement this uh, into this community effort. Right. So we we are a part of the U.S. public sector, Mark, and we wanted to just start somewhere. So a few years ago, we came up, and by we, I mean you, me, a bunch of other people, our distinguished architects, our sales leadership uh, at the time at both the public sector level and the SLED and Fed level. We decided that what we really wanted to do was target the, the public sector developer community. And through the universities and the research labs and all of our kind of Ford advanced leaning customers, we felt like we had a target. And that was the public sector developer community. That was our big, hairy, audacious goal. Like, let's go and tap into that and create this incredibly robust community that, that is between our customers and our partners and us collectively operating completely in open source whereby we help each other solve problems. And if one of us solves a problem, all of us benefit from solving that problem. So that was the big, hairy, audacious goal that we tried to put together. And then there were these other little subtle things that got teased out in that. We had people who understood how to create things and develop things. We had other people who understood how to take those things that were developed and go engage with customers and help customers understand the power of these things. And then we had a population of people that didn't understand any of this stuff and as, as engineering leaders, Mark, you and I sit around and we think about and we talk about this a lot, like how do we go and reach into the organization and help them understand the changes that could benefit them to their career in the long run? And then how do we empower them to do that? So that's where we that's where we birthed this community that we call CIDR. And, the, and it's three it's four four words that are very meaningful. The first word is C for community. And I talked about that, you know, the community there. It was our big, hairy, audacious goal, but it's bigger than that, Mark. This is a sharing of best practices in code. If we operate as a community, we can all do so much more, more quickly and go further, faster, you know, those cliches that apply there. So the community piece was really hard. The I was integrity. If you say you're going to do something, do it. Because when we get into our work streams and we're managing our backlogs, we happen to use Jira, but there's plenty of other backlog management tools you know, we're counting on people to do what they say they're going to do. So the integrity piece was was critical. The D was disruption. It's like a, hey, in your face, recognize the fact that our world's been disrupted. And that's OK, because from a, a, a engineering point of view, we have the greatest products still to this day in the industry that all have models now representative models inside of them that we can take advantage of through APIs and all that happy stuff. So recognize the disruption, but don't be scared of it. Lean into it. And then the R was relevance. If anybody's going to write one lick of code or try to apply a lick of code that's been written by someone else, make sure it's customer relevant. Like, don't go do things that are, I don't know, pulling numbers out of a spreadsheet to make a forecast look better. Our customers don't care about that, right? Let's do customer relevant things. So to get that big, hairy, audacious goal of the public sector developer community, we created the CIDR community to support that. 
And then those, you know, that's where the name Cider came from. But one other thing, Mark, to say is we are leveraging DevNet 100%. So any code that we want to expose to our customers, we do it through the DevNet code exchange. So we built on top of the foundation that DevNet gives us, and we engage with our customers on the front end through Learning Labs and on the back end through sharing code through that DevNet code exchange. And then all of us collectively together participate in the DevNet community plus the CIDR community. We're doing everything in open source. So some of the SD-WAN DevOps stuff that we've created is being used in enterprise by some of large some of our largest customers and our enterprise. And that's really cool to think about what this community that started out focused on the US public sector, because we're operating as a community, what we can give to the greater good. And since it's in open source, everyone can use it. Ben, that's awesome. So I want to pull on that thread for about another minute. And and you said something really important. Uh, Mike, not all engineers are created equal, right? We've got people who are strong developers, computer science degrees that may have come back, come from that background. We've got others that that haven't. You've got people like me who are, are pure networkers. I'd love for you to tell the team a little bit, too, what you did with CIDR to structure it in kind of that three-part approach, right? So that every systems engineer could be a part of this movement without it being so overwhelming and intimidating. Yeah, this is really cool, Mark, what we what we came up with. And again, this is a community of people that have gotten us here, um, including you. The notion here was, to your point, not all engineers are created equal. That's not a value statement or a judgment statement. That's just a, some of us know how to write code and some of us don't. And many, many, many years ago, I got a computer science degree, so I understand the concepts, but I have not properly or professionally written a line of code ever in my life. And that's okay because I still have a role to play. Inside of the community, there's kind of three functions that we're operating in. We have a full-time DevOps team that actually are they are, that is made up of software developers and operators. So these are people that have operated some of the world's largest supercomputers at scale over time. So it's not just a developer mindset. It's bringing together that developer and operations mindset. So we have a team of people that that's what they do. We've been able, thanks to our leadership's investment, we've been able to invest in that team and continue to grow it. Uh, so that's a really cool thing. Those are the full-time DevOps people. They do two things. They produce things like the SD-WAN DevOps bundle. So they produce tools for us to go engage with our customers. And they run the infrastructure by which we can do all of this work on. So not a lot of people know this, but we unfortunately, we want them to know this because we want people to use this. We have the Cisco Public Sector Network, or CPN, which is exposed to our customers and partners outside of our firewall. It is an infrastructure that we run, and we have all of the cool stuff, not just the tooling from a DevOps point of view that we run there, but for example, we have Meraki running SGTs with some Cisco equipment, and the reason we're doing it is so we have visibility so we can see what the heck's going on in case anyone's attacking our infrastructure. So my point is that team also, in addition to building tools for us, also helps run the infrastructure. So they get that DevOps piece of it. And when we go talk to customers about it, we have a, a real live fire infrastructure that we can show them from a demo point of view that we own and operate and maintain and manage through a DevOps process through our backlog and all that stuff. It's really cool. The second thing is people in the team have some of these skills and they have a day job, a quote unquote day job to go and engage with our customers. And they also want to contribute to the community by contributing scripts or contributing code or con contributing use cases. Mark, we have account managers who are actively 
operating inside of the CIDR community. They're not writing code. What they're doing is they're becoming product owners of some of the things that we're producing to help move things forward in that customer relevant way. So everyone has a role to play beyond even just the engineering team. That's what we kind of think of as the part-time DevOps function. You contribute what you can, when you can, how you can. But again, back to the integrity piece, if you say you're going to contribute, you have to contribute. Um, And then finally, there's all of the rest of us who don't know necessarily what the right uh, terms are, what the right tools are. That's okay. We now have a place to show up and learn and work together inside of this community and start to engage our customers with the backing of this community. So for example, Mark, if I keep going off on this SD-WAN thing, if I want to go talk about Cisco SD-WAN, I can do what we always do, which is show it with a 50-page PowerPoint slide, right? And I can go talk to the customer and show them a lot of pictures and read them a lot of words and bore them to tears in the first five minutes and have them check in their email for the next 55 minutes while I'm talking about SD-WAN. Or imagine, if you will, if I show it with my laptop and these tools, and right before their very eyes, I say, I want to talk to you guys today about Cisco SD-WAN. Let me build a control plane while we're talking, and let me explain to you what these piece parts are and why be smart and be managed and be bond matter and what each one of these things is doing. And oh, look at this. I'm generating certificates, and I'm pushing licenses out. And look at how this whole control plane's coming together. Boom, now I got some edges coming online, and look at how they come into the process, right? And how I get to those edges in my network. Now we're going well beyond just talking about something through PowerPoint and we're starting to engage the customer. Now I'm starting to show them from a demo point of view. And then the real magic would happen if I can involve them. If, if there are some sharp people in the audience who are like, wait a second, where's that code? I want to go get it. If I can flip them the, you know, the DevNet code exchange link and go here, knock yourself out, go download that stuff. If you have your own infrastructure, you can run it on side of your infrastructure. If you don't, come meet us in this thing called the Collaboratory, which is backed by that Cisco public sector network underneath of it. Get your accounts, access through, you know, we set up external VPNs so people can come in and hit the Collab bot to get their accounts so that they can log into our infrastructure, they can use our CML servers, they can engage with our SD-WAN DevOps pipeline. And then the richness of conversations that we can have from there, from everything from how do we create this pipeline or what is a pipeline Um, all the way down to let me see the backlog, you know, your JIRA backlog that you did to to build this thing and make it available to us to, hey, that's really cool, but it would be neat if it did these three things instead. And then we say, great, go do a pull request out of that repo and you go contribute that code back, right, to engage in that. So Every engineer has a role to play, depending on what their skills are, even if it's just leaning in and learning and then going out and embracing this and engaging the customers and showing them and telling them and engaging them and teaching them so that we're involving them, Mark. And the more we do that, the more of that trusted advisor role we get to take because our customers are dying to um, be led through this transformation, just like we're trying to lead through this transformation. Well, Mike, this has been uh, an awesome a few minutes and look, I know there is a lot more to discuss. We may have to do a take two or an even take three of this with uh, some of our other colleagues across the Americas, but this has been fantastic. I appreciate you uh, doing what you committed to doing when we opened up, demystifying DevOps for infrastructure for us, but also bringing it all the way down to a level where you made it relevant for everybody. So I really appreciate your time today and uh, look forward to seeing you again soon. Thanks, Mark. I appreciate the opportunity. 
All right, team. Thanks. This has been a great day, uh, great episode, and we will see you on episode number two. Take care. Thanks for tuning in.